What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another week of the Rideshare Rodeo podcast. I don't know how it's taken me this long, but somehow it's taken me the entire time I've known him to get Pedro on this damn podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, Pedro, welcome and thank you for joining me. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm not sure why it took this long, but we're here, so that's good. Yeah, I don't know either, because, I mean, he's you've done things on the YouTube channel, but a lot of this audience just really doesn't come over that way too often so yeah yeah i don't i don't blame them yeah <laughs> sometimes I, I say that too man i don't blame yeah. them but um it is what it is but um yeah we got a lot of we got a bunch of things to talk about today i'm gonna, i don't know if some of it might feel like bouncing around but i got a i got a bunch of different topics here um and uh, i guess we're just let, let's just jump in because um you know if you're not familiar with pedro um you will be when we're done here a but B, uh, there's, you know, Pedro's one of the, even if you're not a big YouTube fan in general, Pedro's one of the bigger YouTube channels, hands down, in the gig space. I mean, as far as food delivery, I can only think of one channel that's bigger than yours, and I don't even know that it's more active than yours. I don't think there is a more active channel than yours, period. In the yeah, I do. I do a lot of stuff. I do sometimes too much. Yeah, but I've never (laughs) seen anything like your lives. I mean, like your Sunday lives. I mean, I've seen 800 people in there. Yeah, we have a good time. We have a good time. I mean, that's, over there. that's no yeah. joke, dude. And yeah. I can tell you, I remember when I was first learning about you, you and I really didn't know each other too well. And I remember coming on to a couple of your lives and just watching, and you were doing it so old school. I loved it. It reminded me of how I started the podcast, like with just this an old crappy mic and mm-hmm. like i learned that you know when i was learning podcasting that the best place to start oddly is in a closet because mm. your clothes muffle mm. and absorb the sound so i was actually yeah. operating out of my walk-in closet that was in my that's, studio that's awesome <laughs> so now i've just got a blanket behind me but yeah um, yeah you know i'm happy i'm happy you say that because my intention when i started and it shifted and changed because you evolve you know your creation, but like I started and I would, I wanted it to be like an AM talk show or like an AM radio show. So the, I would have Sunday people, live. Yeah. Yeah. The Sunday I would have people call in on mm-hmm. my phone That's what I remember. and you would hear them. And yeah. I'm like, I wanted it to be old school. Cause I always like listening to stuff like that. And I just said, you know what? I don't need all the fancy stuff to start. Let's just hit, hit record and see what the, you know, and get yeah. people involved. So it's really cool to hear you say that because that was my intention. I wanted it to be like an AM radio call-in show. And because I used to listen to those a lot back in the day and I always liked them. So so that's what I was going to ask you because now I'm confused because I know you always have, I know you always recorded from your phone. Mm-hmm. So how were you doing the call too? 
Because the call was yeah. like on speakerphone, was it not? Yes. Yeah, so I had two phones for a while. Oh, okay. But I had this laptop at some point, so I would record the lives with the laptop, and then I'd have my phone, and then you know I had the mic <laughs> set up to the laptop. I mean, really just bare bones, right? Yeah. Um, but it then works. I decided, yeah, it worked. And then I decided, well, let's not give out the number. Let's actually just use StreamYard. So then mm-hmm. I started using StreamYards where people could come into the show sure. visually and be a part of it if they chose. And that I guess we've been doing that for a little over a year that way. But it's been it's been fun. So I liked the old school, though. I got to tell you, I liked when I was tuning yeah. in and you were like on a speakerphone because it did remind yeah. me exactly of how I started podcasting. And I yeah. before I met Jason Thierry and he's like, dude, up your game, man. This isn't enough yeah. of this. You're, like, you're doing well up your game. I was like, OK, yeah. So, yeah, piece by piece, you know, absolutely. But um. Yeah, I guess, you know, we got we're going to jump into some personal and some social and public type aspects. But let's start off with, uh, I guess, you know, let's start off with balancing life. Um, Mm -hmm. That's just a bullet point I have here because I want to know because Hannibal always is like, man, I can't remember how he refers exactly to it. People are familiar with Hannibal because this audio podcast gets two drops a week. One is this Tuesday podcast, which has been now almost four years running never missed a Tuesday drop. And then I've added the Friday bonus drop, which is the Thursday night round table with Hannibal. Mm-hmm. So people are familiar with Hannibal here. And so real quick, before we even go any farther, if you are interested in learning about Pedro after this episode, you will find all of his information in the show notes, as well as a channel he does with Hannibal that is completely night and day different from the gig economy, you guys, but it might be a, a, worth a look. Worth a look. Yeah. You Thank guys you. might be interested, you know, so check it out. Um, but I want to talk about this balancing life thing, work, personal, because Hannibal always refers to like, he was like, I don't even know how he does it. He's a machine or yeah. human or. He's yeah, like, he, he's, he said that to me a couple of times too. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I want to know too, man, like between your videos, because you're dropping daily on, yeah. on YouTube, if not multiple times daily. And these aren't mm-hmm. just like you know, real quick thrown together pieces of work. Like you are really, you're putting in the hours doing the work you're putting in the hours with this. I know about having kids. You have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, You're doing your Sunday night lives. You have a a huge audience, which actually at this point, I think you acknowledge this becomes actually not a burden, but it becomes a bit of an obligation too to the community. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I mean, so even on a bad day, you come out, you make yeah. your videos and they're not, you know, I know I, I always appreciate the fact that you always say, listen, you're always going to get the real me because some days I'm not in a good mood. <laughs> yep. 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 I mean, I, I turn on I turn it on and whatever I'm feeling or going through that day, whether it's a good day, a bad day, uh, that's what the video is. Right. And then there are times I'll have a particular topic in mind or uh, something going on in the gig world or. DoorDash or Uber, Instacart's doing this, and I'll talk about updates, but mostly it's kind of like a gig economy vlog of my life and like my journey in the gig economy. So while the work-life balance in the beginning, it was really hard because I didn't know what I didn't know about YouTube and how it works and uploading. And, you know, I would film content and then I would try to, I was filming everything with my phone and then I try to upload it to the phone and sometimes I didn't have enough memory. And then I try to upload it to YouTube and it would like take forever. So like my timing was off. And the, the first couple of months I'd have videos that I would start at like 7 p.m. start to upload and it wouldn't pop until it wouldn't get on YouTube till 2 a.m. And I didn't know you could schedule things. And 
So there was a big learning curve the first three or four months that my life work balance was really out of whack. Right. And I was working a lot in the gig economy as well, more putting in more hours then than I am now. Now, it, it like you said, it kind of becomes a I feel like I, I owe it to the community to, to do a, a Sunday live or a Wednesday motivational live or a daily content or a short and kind of keep the community abreast of what's going on and give people my opinion because that's what they like or test things out so that they could go out and, OK, well, Pedro tested this. So let me see what my experience would be like. And, you know, but it's definitely the work life balance is something I'm always trying to get better at. Right. Um, I would say the the thing that helps me the most is my support system. I got great friends and family that I can lean on. Um, Madison, she holds down the, 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 we have a two year old, right? She turned two in July. So she runs the house and I just make sure that she has what she needs to make sure the house is ran, if that makes sense. Right. So I'm the, the, the I'm the sole provider financially. Right. So she helps with everything else. Right. So that, that allows me to, focus on, okay, I'm going to wake up and I got a plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I, I kind of, the balance that I've gotten to now, while I like to some, while I, while I know I need to still adjust it to get it better, but I, every 30 minutes of my day, I think it's similar to you, Steve, because you've kind of referenced this in private chats we've had, like every 30 minutes or every hour is kind of like blocked off. Like I know what I'm doing. Right. So when mm -hmm. I wake up, the first three hours are very similar. And then I might go do some gig work or film a video or do an interview or, see family. And I have to really plan my day in order to make sure I can accomplish the things I want to accomplish. But it's hard, man. It's and there are days I don't want to make a video. Well, see, and, here, here's no, a question that I don't know if any I don't know how many people have asked, if, at least in on a public platform have asked you this. Yeah. But it's almost a question for Madison, not you. <laughs> but I'm going to let you answer it anyway. How does Madison deal with this? I'm just curious because I know mm. how much comes how much weight comes with this niche yeah yeah and doing this stuff and i'm not just talking about producing i'm talking about answering people's questions responding to people the time it takes i mean i think people forget about that too you have a thousand comments yeah. in every live you do yeah i mean i know me like i still try and respond to every comment i see you try and do it but i i think i can't how anymore you, how, yeah. the, how could you yeah i can't i used to uh, i can't anymore uh, but I mean, how how does Madison? Because I know that it, I know how relationships go. I know that at times, this must take a weight on your relationship a little bit. Yeah, it does. Um, I'd be lying if it if I if, if I said it didn't. But it's never been a bad thing. We've always been able to talk through it. I know the good thing about us is our communication is pretty tight. Very very good. Yeah. She knows the vision I have, the plan, right? And I, I, I'm very communicated with her about that. So if I got something going on, even if it's little things like, hey, I got I'm doing this today or I got this plan today. Hey, I'm going to be home at this time today. I'm very communicative days mm -hmm. before. So like yesterday, she knew exactly what I had to do today. Right. Mm -hmm. And she knew that, OK, we got this party to go to later. So I'm going to do this. So there isn't any surprises. And, you know, I've learned that you have to communicate with your partner. Right. You have to be on the same page because. You're going to have issues if you're not right. And you're not always going to you might forget this or forget that. But she's very she's a very calm person. And I'm very I'm hyper focused, hyper energy. <laughs> and she's the opposite. So that's a good thing. But I know that when she looks at me and says, hey, I think it's time for a date night or, hey, I'd like to. Can we 
can you not do something tonight? Can we, you know, watch a movie or take a walk? When she asks for that or when she you know, inquires about it, I know I got to give her that because she doesn't do it often. So when she does it, I know it means something. And then right away, I'll drop what I got to do or I'll take a night off or I'll get a babysitter. And, you know, we went out a couple weeks ago. So all credit goes to her. You know what I mean? Um, That's what I'm trying to get at here is give, yeah. give Madison yeah. a little props because she doesn't yeah. get enough. So No, and she doesn't want it. She's not, you know. <laughs> I know she not, doesn't, but I'm just, not that kind I'm just of person. trying to make sure that everybody out there knows there's more to Pedro than Pedro. Oh, yeah. I can't do, <laughs> I, I so. cannot do YouTube and things like this and a gig conference. And, and I can't do any of that if I was alone. I, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't be as good. Right. And also they give me my family gives me something to strive for. They're my motivating factor a lot of the times. Right. Sure. Um, and they got my back. So, like, I, I feel I have a responsibility, like we talked about earlier, to the community to give content and give perspective and opinion and entertainment. But I have more responsibility to them because, you know, they push me to want to do more and never you know, because I'm never happy, Steve. Like, I'm always the kind of guy that, hey, a video might do really well. But I'm like, you know what? I could do better. I can do better. So that's but something you drop them every day. So you always have the next day to, if you really. Yeah, I know. But I mean, at the same yeah. time, you you also understand most people appreciate the work you do. And you're just being yeah. overcritical on yourself. But. Absolutely. hundred percent. <laughs> Very critical. Yes. Um, I know that gig life is not is not your dream. I know that this is a stepping stone and a stepping stone. When I say that, I think that the audio listeners have a very good understanding of this. Cause I've, I have a lot of part-timers who listen to, mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people with W2s who do part-time in the gig realm and do very well that listen and email me and I've had on the show and stuff. And that's kind of a big deal because I think those people, I have to say this, um, at least as of late during the pandemic, not, not true at all. When I started the podcast, because most people were displaced in stay at home orders, things like that. And they couldn't, you really didn't have a choice, but the people out doing gig work were like, were like the top tier of bankers. Mm. I mean, you were making hundred dollars an hour. If you were willing yeah. to get out when the pandemic started yeah. and work food delivery, that's kind of changed. And I think full-time gig workers, really had it amazing and you could just work doordash or just work uber eats for like about it i don't know about 18 months after the yeah. pandemic started and yeah. you'd be fine now if you're full-time it's doable in in many markets some markets it's probably not even doable yeah. um but in many markets it is doable but you have to be multi-epping now you yeah. might just be multi-epping food i mean like kim for example has 16 active apps that's pretty intense that you have to that's do that. A, that's to, a lot. Yeah. To stay afloat, you know? Um, but you know, I know this isn't where you're going, but I want to know before we even get into where you're headed, what percentage of full-time gig workers do you think have worked in the service industry prior to doing full-time gig Ooh, work? Good question. I think it's a very high, I, well, okay. So you're saying full-time currently, what percentage of full-time drivers now worked yeah. in the food or not even food just any of the service industry service any, any. I think, it could be hotel I, it could be hospitality yeah, yeah. whatever i think it's actually really high percentage you um do. i do i do yes i think that and i'm coming both of us came from that right yeah. those worlds managing you know managed bars and i did the mm -hmm. same thing right um came from my last w2 was a casino 
Yeah. Um, I think it's a high percentage. I, the reason I say that is the barrier of entry for the gig economy, right? Is, you know, a lot of people can do it. It's really easy to get on a lot of the main apps. I think some of the other maybe last mile ones might be more difficult because they're more choosy as they should be. But I think to get into Uber, DoorDash, especially at the height of the pandemic, Instacart, really easy to get on. And maybe you're put on a wait list or something, but you could get on really easy. You need a pulse, a driver's license, maybe some insurance, right? I think and, that's true with all the apps now. And, even yeah, now. And, yeah. And you're and you're in, right? So I say that because the barrier of entry in some bars and to become a server was also pretty easy, right? To get um, in. To get to, to good shifts and to work your way up. Yes. And and again, that, that's that's different. The that's different. Yeah. But I think I think a lot of drivers now at some point, whether they were in high school or college or waited tables for maybe a couple of months, I think a lot of people have been in the service industry or hospitality industry. I do believe that. Yeah. I mean, like if you had to throw a, a dart at a percentage, what do you, what would you uh, get? To? I mean, man. I know it's just a guess, man. Yeah. I would say. Again, full timers. Cause I think with part timers, I think it's a very different. Yeah. Thing. I think you, for, you, you get people with, I think 75% or more have worked so in, the, out, in the service out of industry. Every four. Yes. At okay, some that's, point that's, in their life a, has worked in the service industry. At it, yeah. I think. Yeah. I'm just, I was just curious because I, I, I think I can spot the ones who haven't. Yeah, well, sure. They, they stand out. And I think, I think that, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of them have a, a different attitude. I'm not going to say yeah. bad or good, but a very yeah. different attitude than those of us who have been through it on a on non-platform type. Work. Yeah. It's a good point. Well, the coming from, and we'll use, cause we both live this life, right? You know, I've, both of us has done pretty much every job under the, yeah. under the roof at a bar or a restaurant, right? That's hard work. That's and I think hard. both of us understand that you're fired if you don't understand the concept of um, yeah. that's not my job doesn't exist in that. No, world. it does not exist. And and I've managed and you've managed people and those people don't last long. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and but I do think yeah, it's hard work. So you can spot the ones that aren't used to that type of work, communication skill it takes, the level of uh, uh, patience you got to have and just all the things that you have to have in order to work in the customer service, especially food, hospitality side of it. And they come to the DoorDash and they have this like weird sense of entitlement. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. And it's like, bro, if you worked with me in a restaurant, you would have lasted maybe half a shift. You know what I mean? So, yeah. You know, I mean, I wish that I wish that something like like the apps Gary does existed on these apps so that you could even though the apps don't want to be transparent so that you could just set your parameters of, listen, if it's under this, I don't want to see it. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like that would take away from a lot of the people would just see a lot less if they set their, their thresholds higher, mm -hmm. they would just see very few offers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um, you know, I think that that drives people a little nuts. I talked to a lot of people who specifically with DoorDash work a lot of DoorDash and they'll tell me, man, I made this much last week in 44 hours and they'll say like two grand and i'll be like what and then they show me their phone and it's um 90 hours on the on the app yeah yeah 40 hours working i'm like dude you work yeah. 90 hours you got to do the math against the 90 not the 40. you can't i've always said that steve and some people look at me like well hold on i'm only actually working so but if i'm sitting here or if i'm sitting in my car i'm not working no but there's 24 hours in the day so however many hours you're giving DoorDash, it is, it's irrelevant how many you were actually active. Because exactly. if I go out and I say, hey, I'm going to turn the app on at 
10 a.m. and I don't come home until 10 p.m., I work 12 hours because I gave DoorDash 12 hours of my time. That's how long I was away from right. home. So even if I only work six, hey, maybe that's great because maybe you can do other things and run errands and you got the app on, but you're still, you got the app on. So if something comes in and you don't like it, you're working, you're just not getting paid. And if something and comes in and you like it, you're working and you're getting paid. And so, if you knew that, look, if you knew, hey, these are the six hours of the 12 that are going to pay me well, I could just work those. You would have those six hours back to, even if it's not for money, spend with your daughter, spend working yeah. around the house. Yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't recognize sitting in the car is work. Yeah. And I got to agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said, because listen, if you're sitting in your car, that is, and you're saying, but that's not, I'm not working. Yeah, you are. You're waiting for an offer to come in and you're working. It's like yeah. being, again, I'll compare it to the bar. It's like being a server during two to four. Yeah. Nobody and comes if, in. Yeah. And if but you're, you still if you're, have to be there, you still have to be there. You're still giving that W2 your time or you're giving the app your time. Now, the one thing I would say that could be a little bit different, and some people work this way. I don't know. I would think it's the minority of gig workers, but you might be living in an area like I live really close to a lot of stuff. Right. And I don't yeah. work this way, but I could I could turn the app on in the morning and then just wait for a good order. And maybe, you know, it takes an hour for it to come through. But if I got the app on, but I'm at home with my kid or I'm working on something Maybe that's different because I'm not really working yet. I haven't started my day, right? Because I'm doing other things at the house or whatever. But yeah, if you're in your car, as soon as you leave your house and you got that app on, you're working. And sometimes even if you're not getting paid, you're still giving the app your time. And yeah. I think 90 hours, like you said, 90 hours, but only half of it was active. I, I've never had a week where I've had the app on for 90 hours. And I, no, hope, no, I, never, I'm just, I hope I never have we, to. <laughs> you and I both know a lot of markets. That is the case, though. That is the case. Yeah. And again, that might not be that you're not getting offers. You're just not taking them. Yeah. You're choosing to decline them. That's fine. That is your choice. It's one of the perks. Mm -hmm. But however, you got to look at the negative side of it. Dead time is dead time. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where having another app comes in, right? So if you have DoorDash on for 60 hours in a week, let's say, and you're active for 40. You've got mm -hmm. 20 hours where nothing was going on. But if you have Instacart, Uber, Curry, whatever, right? Another app, Spark. Um, um, if you have another app to fill in the time when DoorDash is on, but you're declining, then, it, you know, like your scenario, you made 2K with DoorDash. Well, you might have made another $300 on mm -hmm. Instacart or something. And that's cool, right? Because then, it, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like your downtime is as much because you have another app to fold in those hours between 2 and 4 p.m. when historically DoorDash might be slow or whatever. And you can do a, a Curry, a Roadie, a Walmart Spark, make a mm -hmm. little money. Um, I think that's why we should all have, in my opinion, every gig worker should have at least three apps. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, or whatever space you're in, have them all. Whatever Even if space. you're not if you're not comfortable crossing the lines, because we won't spend a lot of time on this, but I know you've done rideshare. Mm -hmm. um, I think that in a lot of cities, the I've done a lot of ride share. And I'll, I'll tell you, I tried the, the method that you did pre-pandemic. I used mm -hmm. to do the sit at home, wait for the good offer. And mm -hmm. that's what would launch me out the door. The problem is, is that with time, I started figuring, you know what? And then I'd go do that good one, have a couple others, and I'd be near my house and it'd get slow. And I'd come back home and that was always the wrong thing to do. Mm. At least yeah. in my case, like once... The only time that really worked for me was when I got that first order. If I stayed out, yeah, no coming yeah. home. Like I had to stay out because otherwise yeah. I could get home and 
you know, my ADD would go off and I'd look around the house and see 10 million things I got to do. And I'd be like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't go see, I don't, I don't, I don't take breaks when I, when yeah, I do, neither my, do I, even now I go out and I try to figure out, okay, when it's slow, okay, where should I be? And you got to learn your market, what app's going to hit. And, and I don't go home because once I go home, I feel like I don't want to go back out. Right. So I just, yeah. I give myself this I'm just saying, like, hours, if I went out for like know. four hours and I was doing well and I dropped somebody off and cause I live downtown. So often I could be near my house. If yeah. I'm, if I drop somebody off real near the house and I want food it, to be honest, it's a smarter move for me to go home and eat than to pay to go out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now I should be packing it. And, I, and many times I used to, I also used to keep water in the car for customers, all this kind of, that, that all went out the window, yeah. you know, like dark road run, Joe, he, he recently made a video about how, nowadays don't do anything more than the bare minimum and this was recently and i kind of sadly agree with that mm. um, i used I to keep water in my car too uh because i did a lot of when i first when i got into the gig economy i started doing rideshare yeah for the first like six or seven months that's all i did i didn't do food delivery and i love i love rideshare to this day yeah if i had to choose one and one only <laughs> i would do uber that's just me i like meeting people i like picking people up i enjoy i enjoy that i really you know, and I don't really do it anymore. It's been a few, several months since I've done a ride share, but I started and I would have uh, uh, mints in the back. I had mints in a little oh, cup yeah. thing. And then I had my bottle of waters because I, when I started, like I said, I was doing it part time after my W2 and I would do a couple hours a night and then do a little bit on my days off. But I picked up a lot of people from bars. It was nighttime. People needed water. They needed a mint. And, oh, yeah. you know, I always did that. But now if I were to go out, I wouldn't have any of those things, you know. No, I mean, I used, I mean, octopus play pads on the back of the headrests. I, mm. I had the car decked out. I mean, it yeah. was, and again, if those of you doing rideshare, you should have things like octopus. That is, a, again, it's another income stream. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I, I guess I, I guess you're saying it's one of your favorites. I love it too. Problem is the, the pay has got offensive. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the pay on all the apps goes down, but to run the risk of like you have a child, you have Madison mm -hmm. at home to run the risk of getting sick and being yeah. around people all the time. Um, that's a lot too. And you should be, and people should be paid a little better for it. Um, I know. I think rideshare drivers, goal, but... I think, I think picking up passengers um, and doing that type of work is your liability goes way up versus picking up a McDonald's order. Right. Oh, yeah. you're dealing you're dealing with actual humans that have feelings and emotions and are having bad days they are intoxicated. They're angry. They're super happy. So then they get a little weird sometimes. Like, you know, we bought. So that it should be you should make five times more than you do in food delivery. Food delivery is very easy for the most part. Um, and the risk is there, but a lot less when you have a stranger right. in your car. It's way different. So. Uh, drivers work in Uber and Lyft and these other companies should be making more than they make right now. And by the way, I need to give a plug um, that you can find in my show notes or in Pedro's actually, by the way, I hope uh, is for Display Ride. Yeah. Because Display Ride now is offering as of next month a clip on for, uh, for people doing food delivery. Like a body cam, right? Yeah. So when you leave the car, it recognizes you've left the car and it will record from here now. Uh, that's that's intense, dude, because now you've yeah. got a live recording of putting the food down. If somebody opens the door and any kind of confrontation, you've mm -hmm. got it. Yeah, they, say they, didn't, they say they didn't get it or if there's any kind of like slip and fall or, 
you know, yep. liability. And legal, legal rideshare you know. works directly with display ride. So if there's an issue, legal rideshare is the one place that says, send us the display ride footage. Yeah. Yeah. And they will, will take it from there. Yeah. So I think this is a huge uh, thing for people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, sure. Now, before moving any farther, now I do kind of want to get into a little bit of where, where is Pedro heading? Mm, that's, that's a great question, Steve. <laughs> you know, I'll, it's uh, it's something I think about often, and especially the last two months, because mm -hmm. so much has happened with YouTube and family um, and creation, uh, the content creator part of it. Um, you know, when I started doing YouTube, and that's the only social media that I'm on. I don't do mm -hmm. anything else, right? Well, you're on but, others, but you don't touch them. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My, Madison does the Instagram, but that's all family stuff. I don't put mm -hmm. YouTube stuff on there or gig stuff or any any of that really. So, you know, when I started, I said I want to make a video every day for a year, right? Just to see what happens. And then, you know, it was I really liked it. We started seeing some some growth on the channel. Started being, you know, within the community, meeting great people, collaborating, and it was like, oh, this is fun. It's awesome. Then you start making money. It's like, wow, that's like the cherry on the top, right? Because I always thought you got to have like a million subscribers to, to to make decent money on YouTube. And that's just not the case. Right. There's so many other ways and you could be a smaller channel and still do OK. Right. And so for me, I've always, you know, I start I put I put myself in this place to making gig economy content and talking predominantly about DoorDash. And then obviously I do Instacart and, and Uber, but it's predominantly DoorDash, right? So I'm one of the yeah. DoorDash guys on YouTube. That's just well, you don't, what, Uber Eats at all. I, I do Uber Eats, but not a lot. Okay. Um, Uber Eats. You're in my, on in my, you're I'm on it. Yes, yes, yes. I, and I still have an active, I have an active Uber account, so I could do the ride share or mm -hmm. Uber Eats, right? Yep. Um, but I, I think I put myself in this spot where I'm talking so much gig economy that, you know, about a year ago, I started shifting like, hey, I want to do other things. I want to talk about life and motivation and betting on you and like other things. Right. And I want to use DoorDash and the gig economy as a backdrop to motivation stuff and inspiration and life life stories and struggles and successes and failures and just being a voice for people that want a little a little kick in the ass sometimes you know what i mean and we all need it or a little bit of perspective right and i use myself my own experiences as a catalyst for that right because i'll you know i'll admit when i do something wrong or i'll share some good stuff the bad stuff i share with my audience what my goals are right mm -hmm. so at the beginning of this year i shared what 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 do i want to accomplish on youtube in 2023 and we've hit a few of those and there's still some time to maybe hit another couple right and i'll do the same thing in 2024 but as far as for me, like I'm always probably going to have the gig economy in my pocket. Right. Yeah. Oh, right yeah. now it's in my front two pockets. Right. Cause I still do. No matter what you do. I don't see you deactivating yeah. your account. No, I, I don't. Cause I still, think, I, I still think you can make money. There's still value in it. Oh, right. For sure. For sure but I, I'll put it in the back pocket at some point And I'd like to become more of a, a leader and a motivator if anything else, you know, I envision myself, um, sharing my life story, my experience in the gig economy, my and talking about my stepping stones and my hustle in a way that will inspire people to figure out, okay, what does that mean for me? Internalize it for them. Like, oh, I want to better myself. I want to start something. What could that be for you? And it could be a, a lot of different things, right? So eventually my path will go down that way. Um, but I still, you know, I still work the gig apps, right? Monday through yeah. Friday. Oh, I do and, too. And 
I share people my I share the experiences with that and it still can be entertaining, I think, sometimes. And I think there's still a lot of value in that. And the gig economy is not going anywhere. It's going to continue to grow and go into many other sectors like you talk about often, whether it's in the nursing or this or that. So oh, yeah. I think there's always going to be a need and a want for people to to hear perspective about the gig economy. I don't think DoorDash is going anywhere anytime soon. I think mm-hmm. new drivers come to all the platforms at record pace every day. More oh, people yeah. people are struggling, so they need another side hustle. And this is one that the barrier of entry is really low. So I think there's always going to be value to make this kind of content, but it'll shift. You know, I don't want to be in my car, you know, uh, too much. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like to, I want to figure out other ways to challenge myself and and not just be, not not just delivering McDonald's as much as I am right now. You know, I don't mind doing it. I still do it. I did it today for a couple hours, right? But for me, that's not my end. That's not my goal long term, if that makes sense. No, 100%. It's, but it makes money. And if you can Absolutely. make money while you're getting to your goals... That kind of Absolutely. gets me into the, you know, one one of my biggest issues with the gig economy is that we balance on the independent contractor word. And I'm being an independent contractor still to this day. I mean, I still do production local. I don't do anything right now anyway until Max is out of is he's in his senior year, till he's in till he's out of high school. I'm not going on the road with any tours. I'm not doing anything like that. Um, that kind of I was doing it. Um, now he lives here full time. And since the pandemic um, and before the pandemic, I was going on little stents of tours and doing things. And But I've kind of decided the pandemic stopped all of that work. But now that work's completely picked back up. The options are open, mm-hmm. but I'm not going back to any laser work till after he's out of school. Um, yeah. But I am doing production work here around town. You know, I do my work with para. I do curry in the morning. I think that people sometimes overlook, you know, even the curry people who are doing really well are like, how do you do so well? And they start kind of questioning me. I show them my earnings. <laughs> but it's <laughs> like, but the big thing is, is because I changed my entire life, you you know, like I get up at five in the morning now. I schedule yeah. 5.30s and 7 a.m.s. I don't know if everybody in the gig economy is getting up at 5 a.m. That's Probably. a whole life change. Yeah. I mean, I'm out the door, it's pitch black or it's cold yeah. in the winters. And yeah, yeah they, they pay great, but I'm taking them because other people don't want to get up at 5 a.m. Right, right, right. And that's, I mean, I just, I'm afraid that too many people come into this without independent contractor background or whatever, hear about this being independent contractorship. And my concern is that they don't understand it. Um, you know, like, yes, you can work when you want. Yes, the flexibility is there. But with that also comes, I mean, yes, like I can mention dumpling, like dumpling doesn't feed you clients like Instacart or DoorDash or these other apps. No, you got to go get it. You got to go make it happen. Yeah, 100%. And you will make more money on those clients and you'll have a better experience. However, it doesn't feel like true. I see work to me when I'm doing the platforms, but when I do all my other stuff and put it all into a, a, the mixing barrel, it is yeah. an independent contract. Yeah. There'd yeah. be no other way to do it. Yeah. But if I was I, only I, doing this, I don't know what I would call myself. Yeah. I, I struggle with that too, because I feel like, you know, both you and I, we do, it's not just the gig economy as far as delivering, right? Last mile or mm-hmm. food. It, it's not just that because we have other things going on, other interests, but we are making money doing a few other things. Right. So I feel like, the independent contractor work gets thrown around real loosely 
it, in, 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 in the food delivery. And when I first started, I remember I would think, yeah, I'm independent. I'm independent contractor. And people would tell me and like my comments, no, you're not. You're not really. And I'll be like, I would take offense almost to it because I really didn't know what I didn't know at that point. But now I feel like we are something that's very different. I think we were not really classified correctly right now. That's my opinion. Yeah, um, and, but, and but, everybody's in the and you just hit on the problem. Everybody it knows that. The political yeah. side and the platforms both know we're we're not classified correctly. They know that, but I think a lot of drivers don't. All, but yes. they're both using it against yeah. each other. Yeah. So it's but like I think a lot of drivers benefiting. don't know. A no, lot of drivers don't. don't know what we really are, and and, and I I struggle with it because I, at, at times I tell myself, doesn't matter. You know, for me, it, it it really doesn't because you can call me whatever you want. I'm gonna figure it out. I got other way, you know. But to a lot of other people, it should and does matter because maybe they don't have those other options. Like the food delivery is their main 100% of their income. It's the thing that they're doing and they want to do. So maybe they are being mistreated in some way or misclassified and underappreciated and underpaid or whatever. But like you said, when I put everything on the table or in the barrel and I'm looking down at it, yeah, I feel pretty independent. I feel like 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 I yeah. am a self, you know, I... I I feel when like you're doing like your a, taxes. You feel very independent country. Very, very, <laughs> in, very, very much so. Yeah. So, you know, when but but we've built that for ourselves. Right. We are the way we look at the gig economy, I think, especially you and I specifically, but even just people that are watching or listening, we're 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 very unique when you're doing it and all your money's coming from the gig economy and in a few other ways. But most people that do this kind of work are very part-time. At least that's what the apps tell us, right? Four to 10 hours 80, a week. 85% work yeah. less than 20 hours a week. Exactly. So we are the minority, right? So the way we look at the apps is going to be very different than the other 85%, which is okay. Our perspectives are different. The way we're doing them is different. How The kind of money we're making is different. Our goals are different. And that's all right. You know, yeah. Most people that do it are going to be like the couple friends I have that do it. They do it for a couple of months here and there. And they need some side money in between jobs. They do it one day a week because they just want to, you know, have gas money for the week or whatever. Right. Pay a mm -hmm. phone bill like most people do it very, very part time and aren't as impacted. But the ones that are impacted are the ones that are doing it. The 15 percent that are full time out here hustling, grinding and doing it for several years. Um, but I feel I do feel independent in the way that the freedom and flexibility is there, but everybody's freedom and flexibility is going to be different. So independently, we have to figure out, OK, Steve is willing to wake up at 5 a.m. and start early to get those runs because nobody else is going to do it. That's his money. He wants to be home early. Mm. He's got a son. Barely willing to you get know. up at 5 a.m., but okay. Barely willing. Well, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm not getting up at 5 a.m. Those days are behind me. But, you know, I, I can still decide, uh, let me turn it on, let me turn it off. And and that's there's a lot of freedom in that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but the independent word, yeah, it's, 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 it's a weird place. And I still think we're several – I think we're still – ways away from really that being classified appropriately. And even when and if that happens, I think there will still be a lot of people that won't like that result, whatever it is, because maybe they're happy right now the way it is, or maybe they're not. So we're not going to be able to uh, make 100% of the people happy with whatever happens, how we wind up being classified, yeah. whether it's from the political party or the apps or your local government. But um, it's, it's just an interesting thing. I've never really I don't worry about it as much only because I have other things going on. Right. But I do have empathy and I feel for the workers that are passionate about it because, you know, it, it's going to either some people are going to want 
certain unionization, if you can call it that, and others aren't, right? But there's so many on both sides that nobody's going to really feel happy at the end of the day with whatever result happens. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, I just, my, I guess it's, it's not so much even a concern, it's just, I just want people to put it into perspective that when you hear traditional independent contractors talking, yeah. that is a completely different game. Like I yeah. had somebody tell me that, that if, unless you set your price and you give it to a person, you're not an independent contractor. And I had a couple people back that point. That mm. is 100% false. Everything mm. that I do for the laser company comes through in a bid. They send it to me. Here's your, here's where you'll stay. Here's how many days we need. Here's the pay. Here's your hotel f- flights. Mm-hmm. Do you want this job? Yeah. Now I didn't price that. They did. Yeah. They sent it to me. Here's the offer. That's independent yeah. contractorship though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a hundred percent transparent. It's all up front on paper. There's no hidden details. There's nothing that's going to like, Oh wait, I didn't know about that. There's no tiny print. It's very upfront. Yeah. But that's still independent contractorship. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, um, Okay. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to hit it. The I want to be DoorDash specific for a minute. Like mm-hmm. you, more than anybody I know, have been through the everything with DoorDash. Um, at least that I know. I mean, I know there's people out there. But sure. Other people I know, you've been through the most probably with that platform. And even I have had, trust me, my share of, I'm going to be honest, hell with the platform. Mm-hmm. Because when I've been with, I was working with David at autonomy.jobs before mm-hmm. Para existed. The day Para mm-hmm. opened its doors, I was with David. When Jeff stumbled upon tip transparency, that wasn't what we were doing. Yeah. That wasn't even our goal. He just stumbled on it. My job was driver advocate, which also became get in the app and deal with the chat. Yeah. So I came in, I still wasn't in YouTube yet. When I came into YouTube, it made me very easy to deal with trolls and things like that mm-hmm. because I was already dealing with this kind of these people who loved the app. But the day tip transparency went down, they all hated us. Oh, that, I'm sure that was a crazy time. Yeah. I, I mean, they're like, looking at that from a distance. You, I you can, suck. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, dude, you know, like it wasn't even there was nothing to do with deactivations. Those didn't happen. None of that. But it was just all of a sudden they hated us like we had done it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, listen, we did our best to keep it up. And twice we went all the way to the wall with getting cease and desist and hiring an $800 an hour attorney. Yeah. But what's your experience with the platform in your timeline? Like, is it is it way worse now? Do you hate it much more? Yeah. And- you know what? That's a good question. I So I started with Uber Rideshare and then Uber Eats. And then I heard about DoorDash. You know, I was at the casino, got furloughed. Uh, so I was like, oh, let me get another app. And I, I, I furloughed for a couple of months during the pandemic, went back to the casino um, and I still had DoorDash on. Right. And then um, so when I started DoorDash, I looked at it as just like an opportunity, like, OK, just another app. I'm going to try it out, fill it in and, you know, just try it out because it's an opportunity. And I'm hearing some decent things about it online. Right. On YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I started it, it was pretty good. But in the beginning, you, you know, the apps changed a lot. It just had base pay has gone down. You know, my base pay was three bucks. Now it's two twenty five. Um, the opportunities, I think, now are more. So if I'm being honest, I am doing better now with DoorDash than I did during the pandemic, which is, I think, opposite for a lot of people. But that's, you know, that's fine. My market's different than everybody's and it is what it is. Um, 
Is that wait? Is that just because of experience, knowing where to be? I think it's. I think it's that. I think it's that. I do think it's that. Um, And I think a lot of us can say that, right? You learn, you know. Mm. But in the beginning, I was, you know, I like DoorDash. It's like a roller coaster. I I I always fancy DoorDash to like uh, a next girlfriend. Okay, so I'll give you a quick analogy. (laughs) DoorDash to me is like I started it. I was like, oh, okay, this app could be fun or. Oh, and she's kind of pretty, you know. Okay, yeah, she's nice. I like her. Oh, this is great. You go on a few dates. It's like, oh, this is this is fun. I'm making some money. Oh, she she likes me. I like her. And then you go through. Okay, the the honeymoon phase wears off, and it's like, oh, I'm not really making that much money. This sucks. There's two a lot of two three dollar orders. Oh my god, she doesn't look as nice as she used to. She doesn't wear makeup anymore. What's going on here? You break you break up for a little while. You go to another girlfriend. You go to another app. It's like, okay, the Instacart's nice. Okay, let me try this. I like Uber. Uh. And then you come back to DoorDash because she is still DoorDash is the king of the markets. They got the most market share. They do the most promoting. They use the most marketing dollars. Most in most markets, your app's going to go off more often, even if it's crappy than an Uber or Instacart or anything else. You're just going to see more opportunity. Right. So it's this crazy old girlfriend that you just really kind of like, but you don't love her all the time because she treats you maybe a little bad. Right. Um, But, you know. To answer your question, like I've had just a very roller coaster ride with 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 DoorDash, but for me, okay, I get a lot of heat when I say this, right? No, just I don't I, I don't blame DoorDash for if I'm not making money on the app, I don't blame I, my first person to blame isn't them, and I used to kind of do that. I would make videos like, oh my god, this app is trash. I can't believe they're sending two dollar orders. Oh my god, I got a contract violation. This is horrible, and I used to blame DoorDash for that, but. As I've started working, I'm like 9,500 deliveries in with DoorDash. So it's a decent amount. It's not the most, but 9,500 is still a lot, right? And I've probably seen, I don't know, 100,000 orders hit my phone over the couple of years, right? Which is a lot of orders that hit your phone. So I used to blame them and get emotional or mad. Like, this is, I can't believe this app is doing this. But as I've, you know, my relationship with the app has just become more businesslike. It's like, okay, this is an opportunity. I've, I've understand and learned there's, a lot of other factors involved. There's the consumer. So if it's slow, I can't really necessarily always blame DoorDash. Somebody has to be willing to place an order. There has to be a need and somebody has to place an order. Okay. That's number one. Then they have to decide, am I going to tip or not? Right. Cause if there's no tip on most of the orders on DoorDash specifically, you're not making any money. Okay. You so might as well that, go and plug your tagline there, bro. <laughs> yeah. No tip, no trip. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> and that, there's going to be times when, when you don't need a tip, but we need tips to survive. It's just, that's a whole nother podcast, I'm sure. Right. But mm-hmm. that's just how it works. But so you have to have that. And then you have to, another factor that's not on DoorDash or really on us, I don't think is how many drivers are out there that day. You know, is there saturation level issues or not? You know, so there's a lot of factors. Then there's the merchant. Okay. What kind of merchants are around you? Are they good? Are they fast? Are they using their tablet appropriately? Are this are they dispatching it in a timely way? Are they staffed? Are they not staffed? So there's a lot of other factors besides just blaming DoorDash for everything, right? I, um, I think DoorDash could do a lot better with obviously transparency. I think that's the number one issue that they have is that you're just not transparent, whether it's the pay, because they still hide tips, whether it's the item counts, the subtotals, the customer name, those just to name four things right there, right? Like those are four major things we should know as a IC to make an informed decision. Now, a lot of us, myself included, can go out and decipher through it and figure it out. But most people that do this are new, right? So their experience in the beginning might be bad because DoorDash isn't transparent. That's my really only issue with them. 
everything else that they do, I actually don't have any issues with. Yeah. And whether it's a program that they have, a tier program, a diamond, I have actually zero issues because this is a business. They're going to run it that way. They want to make money. They want things delivered. They want the percentage from the merchant. They want the service from the consumer. And I get that, right? So we can't be too mad at them because we talk about the freedom and flexibility, right? So we have to understand in order to have that and not have a boss and not feel like we're obligated to do things, there's going to be things that we're also aren't going to be perfect. So my relationship and how I look at it, it's been really like a roller coaster. But I just look at it now really unemotional, very businesslike. I have a couple apps on. I take the best offer. If something doesn't look good, I just decline it. I try not to give it too much of my time and energy. And I have to realize that some people aren't going to tip. I have to realize that sometimes somebody placing an order might be 12 miles away and the DoorDash algorithm doesn't care. Like they might send you that and it might be only four bucks. You just got to decline it and just move on. Right. And so I've shifted how I look at the app and where I place the blame. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That's, you know, I hope that helps answer your question. Well, it does. And also you hit on something really kind of interesting to me because not often can we narrow down something, but we all, you know, Nova Dasher, Marco as well. Mm -hmm. He's been on this podcast. And to be honest, he's, he used the number, he takes 15 to 20 orders out of every 200, which would be about the same stat you just said at 10,000 that you've seen, you've seen a hundred thousand. That's 10%. Nova's just claiming under that. It's an interesting stat Yeah, to think that one out of 10 orders is, is all that's worth it. Yeah. I will say this, though. I want to, you know, I was always, my acceptance rate was always really, really, really low with DoorDash, right? Mm-hmm. And just to be transparent to your audience and, and mine, yeah, please. back in November, November 2022, DoorDash gave Dashers in some markets, and they, you know, they did it at different times, A they talked about how acceptance rate was kind of going to matter a little bit, right? And it gave Dashers the option to reset their acceptance rate. So at that time, I think I was in like 20 something percent, right? Because only two out of 10 orders in my market were worth taking, right? So I was mm-hmm. cherry picking, just taking good stuff. I reset mine. After resetting it, the Diamond program went out, which basically, if you're not aware with DoorDash, the Diamond program is basically DoorDash telling drivers whether you believe it or not. If your acceptance rate is above 50%, you'll get priority. If it's above 70%, you'll get first priority on high paying orders. Now, a high paying order could mean $4 for one mile, which is a $4 per mile ratio, which for some people, that's great. For other people, like that's not high paying. and It isn't, but it's all a matter of perspective and things like that, right? So after I reset it, I saw a difference in like what I was seeing because I think DoorDash just changed the game. They changed what they, they changed how they treated their drivers and they, they gave certain drivers priority. I, and I still, to this day, kind of believe that. Not always, but I mostly can say I do. that I'm at 9,500 deliveries. I do. I yeah, think that so. when you hit those levels, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, to keep that level, you need to be taking some of the trash orders. And therefore, yeah. by taking some of the trash orders, we will feed you some of the top yeah. tier yeah. food here. Because, yeah. Do I think it's right? No. But do I have a solution? No. Not, well, so, that's, that's the thing is that they're a business. That's how they're going to do it. You could fall in. And I know people with 1% ARs and they do great. Yeah. Maybe they're on a large order yeah. program or that it's all market dependent. I know that's very, we talk about that a lot, but that's really the case. But I've also noticed though, that, you know, they've, they've had this new shop and pay option. So mm-hmm. if you're priority prioritized for shop and delivers for me in St. Louis, 
that has been a complete game changer. And I can't in a good, tell, in a know, good way, in a fantastic way, Steve. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the large order program because I can't get on it because maybe there's not a need. So I saw well, what is DoorDash really telling us about their app? They're telling us that they are they changed the app for the consumer. So now as a consumer, when you go on the app, you could do what's called like a double dash where you can order from a restaurant and like a 7-Eleven or Walgreens or a grocery store. Um, they changed the outlook of it to make it easier for consumers to order groceries because that's kind of like they, they want to get into that marketplace, right? To compete with Instacart and all the other apps, right? So mm-hmm. I saw that. DoorDash is telling me they're going to prioritize this shopping delivers and consumers ordering for convenience on groceries. And I said, okay, I'm going to start taking some of these. And as soon as I started taking some, I mean, every single day that I turn DoorDash on, I get at least two $30 plus Aldi orders or a local grocery. And it takes me 30 or 40 minutes to do. And I made 30 or 40 bucks. I did two of them today. Did two and made 72 bucks. So I started realizing, okay, do I get mad at the app or do I figure out what are they prioritizing? And let me get in front of that. So that when I go out, I can maximize my opportunities and I don't see a lot of two or three dollars anymore. I just don't because they're sending me the shopping pays. Right. So I'm seeing the good cash flow and I'll, I'll take those. I got no problem with it. Sometimes they're trash. You just decline it. So I've learned to kind of have, you know, I, I, I related DoorDash to the crazy ex-girlfriend. That's kind of cute. Right. And you're attracted to her. She's nice. She treats you good sometimes. I've just learned to kind of look at her or look at DoorDash and say, you know what? I know what you're about, right? I'm going to stand. I'm going to keep a little bit of a distance, but I'm also going to utilize the app uh, for the benefits, the good things. And I'm not going to worry about the bad shit. I'm just going to focus on the good stuff. And then I'll use other apps to make other money. And it's been a lot less stressful when I look at it like that, if that makes sense. 100%. So I have one, I have two other things that we, we need to touch on and, the last one is 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 good. This one is not so good. And I, I just want to mention this because I actually, knowing you were coming on, I took the time to go to the para team and ask them for some help. I wanted some help on this. I wanted to know how many identified by them glitches there has been in DoorDash. Because we know there has been a little... little listen, audio <laughs> po- listen, audio podcast listeners. Yeah, yeah. Because... It's it's this is why we'll move through this quick because it's not worth the time. Mm-hmm. But there has been a glitch issue lately. Mm-hmm. I first want to touch on the fact that what they produced back to me, what Jeff and the team gave me back was in the past two years that we know of. And that means more mm-hmm. clearly mm-hmm. that we know of the, the team. 125 plus glitches. Crazy. That are identified. Wow. And the one that's currently going on is just one of those. And and, and, and the current one that's been being talked about, it's been from what I've heard going, it's been over a year, like a year and a half or so where it's been a glitch or been a whatever, right. Within the yeah. app. So, so yeah, it's funny how we like to, some people will pick and choose one out of 125 glitches and kind of run with that. Like it's the worst thing that's ever happened. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's just, you know, that's just scratching the surface of the app issues that have been out there. So, yeah. So I asked Jeff to the best of his knowledge too, is the glitch known by DoorDash? He said, without hesitation, he said, absolutely. He said, it's not something they can deal with yet. He said, however, they are starting, he's seen code that they are starting to look at how many times you're flipping airplane mode Mm. or killing Mm. it into airplane mode. Cause they Mm. will, they will, they're going to, my guess is they'll have a threshold, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to tolerate a hundred a day. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm I mean, just, how, I'm just how, mentioning how that to people yeah. because I don't think you should be doing the glitch. And this is where I want to end it because Pedro on YouTube, and this is why I want to just put it out there to the audio podcast listeners. If you're not familiar with the glitch, good. Because yeah. here's my thing. I barely do any DoorDash. When I do, it's for paratesting. That's mm -hmm. been a while since I've needed to. I have under 10% acceptance rate for one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing is, is I always want that app available to me. I don't want to get in trouble for using it. And if I don't use something, I damn well am not going to promote it. Yep. Not a Absolutely. chance. It doesn't yep. matter if I know about it. But also the burden of because you know about it, you need to share it is some of the biggest horse crap I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things I know that I don't share because I think they were, could be harmful to you. Mm -hmm. So why would I promote that? Why would I tell you about something that I don't do myself? Yeah. But I know about it. In fact, I do my best to keep it from people so that they don't get into trouble. Now, yeah. if I did it myself and thought it was a good idea, I would absolutely share it. Sure, that that's one thing. I I think I think you know, and and, and for me in St. Louis, like I just mentioned, the shop and pay option and being prioritized with that, I see, I have seen tremendous benefit. So I I use that. It's been several months now, and I talk about that because I think, hey, if you're not using your red card, if you don't like to shop, hey, that's that's fine, but try it because it's just an opportunity. You might see some benefit. So I can with confidence talk about that within mm -hmm. the app and that's not a glitch but it's a feature and say hey this is fantastic try it you know i did the doordash cash on delivery i don't i don't i don't recommend that right so i don't i'd say hey that's my opinion i don't recommend that but i do recommend this so yeah but i can only recommend and and and, and feel passionate about something if i'm actually doing it yeah and, and i would never recommend something to a community if i was unsure if it's against TOS or it might be an issue for you. Why would I recommend that? Just for a short-term possible gain? No, you could get Dash Now or Top Dash or many other ways, actually. And DoorDash tells us that, right? So mm -hmm. you don't have to, just because somebody knows about something doesn't mean we have we should have a responsibility to share it with everybody because, oh, I got to be transparent and I don't want to hide anything. That's not that's not reality, especially yeah. if you're told about something. Somebody that's a friend of yours says, hey, I, this is something I've heard about. But, yeah. You know, don't say anything because, you know, I want to keep this between us. If somebody tells me that, I'm not going to say anything. And I could care less not. with somebody. If you feel some now, way about that. if you chose that, to go out and test it you know, and you right. decided you liked it and then you shared it with people, that's up to you. Maybe, but maybe that's different. Yeah. That's but. different. But here's here's where I get to point out something really unique to people that I don't think you've heard yet, people is that Pedro and I sit on, and it's not like he's against it. He just never did it. But yeah. here's where we sit on different ends of the spectrum. When I was with Para during tip transparency, Pedro never used it. And here's what I got to mm -hmm. say about that. We had 235,000 active users, a quarter of a million active users at our height. Now, was David telling me, don't promote this to people? No. First, it came out. Jeff said, it can't affect your account. I, I tested it over and over and over. This was when I was doing DoorDash mm -hmm. more. And so now I said to David, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, get out there and, and tell everybody it's free and give it to all of them. Mm. So what did I do? I had used it. I believed in it. I knew it mm -hmm. couldn't get you deactivated. I went out and I, I was part of signing up part of those 233,000 mm -hmm. because I believed in it. So I told the community. Now, Pedro wasn't against it, but he never used it. So did he I never, ever I never used it. No. No, never. 
No. So I would because I didn't I didn't know enough about it. No, I'm and, just I'm just pointing yeah, out. I, I, I didn't use it, so I can't talk about. But there's a perfect example. I told the community, yes, you should, and you you and I weren't on different. We weren't against each other on it. It was just you didn't you hadn't done it yourself. So no. that right there should prove to the community. Yeah. Yeah. Any of this glitch stuff, you just let it go. Yeah. yeah. And and I could have I could have made some money pushing Para and, and I had a little bit of an audience, not like I do now, but I, yeah. I didn't use it. So I can't talk about something unless I use it. I've always 100%. been and I have a few partnership deals, you know, moves uh, yeah, and course. solo, and I use those apps, right? right. Actively, right? And that's so why I went. So I can talk about that. Right now, I That's might. Why know I think this about... is important, though, because exactly. it was me yeah. selling you on this. Yeah. Pedro wasn't. Yeah. And I know of Para, obviously, and I knew about what was going on. Right. So that's yeah. like me knowing about the glitch. But if I don't use it, how sh- how can I talk about it? Right? Exactly. So that's a good it's a good analogy, Steve. It's a great <laughs> one because the community should hear this. Yeah, they yeah. should hear this. But, this you know, I, I, I want to say this. I, I think I think in what I've learned in talking to some people and just noticing things is I have. So the one thing about me on YouTube for the audio podcast listeners, my name on YouTube was done on purpose. My YouTube <laughs> His handle, middle name isn't really Dordash. my middle name. Yeah, my middle name is not actually Doordash. So we go to my it's Pedro Doordash Santiago. And my handle is Mr. Bet on you because I talk about betting on you, setting goals, doing it one day at a time. But I put Doordash there because I was doing Doordash and I wanted people to understand, hey, if you want some Doordash content, maybe, you know, and I want the YouTube algorithm to reward me for that. And I have no I wouldn't trade anything for that. I'm, I'm fine with that right now. Right. So my, my point is, like, I think people come to me and come at me because, like you said in the beginning, I do daily, uh, daily uploads. I put myself out there. I collaborate with a lot of people. I go live. I got the Sunday show. I'm very active like i think that's the word you used i'm the most active probably right so when people see that they're either going to feel one one or one one way or the other about me they're either going to like me or not like me which is fine we all have that everybody does steve has it i have it hannibal has it you know everybody has it right (laughs) and that's okay it's a good thing indifference is actually not everybody in the world gets along people yeah and it's fine yeah it's okay to draw lines in the sand we don't always have to it doesn't have to be kumbaya my lord all the time like it's okay to have disagreements and not like what somebody does or says but for me i think people come at me because i am active i'm one of the people out there that has very opinionated i don't hold any punches i've also been very my opinion on things can change over the course of the last couple years because things change and i'm you know and and some people that might rub the wrong way because like oh well he used to say this but now he's saying this people change your perspective changes your mood changes and i think that's normal right we're humans so i'm not surprised or even mad that people would come at me and feel a certain type of way about something i did or didn't do and believe it or not believe it but that says more about them than it does about me because i'm the one with the channel with my actual name on there every day putting my opinions and my thoughts and my face out there every day and and you know with 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 no regard of or worried about making a mistake because i am just me so anybody that has an opinion about something they're just they're the audience and they don't even have a channel so for me it's like you know what what do you you know you you just having an opinion without facts so you know i I can't really allow that to sway me either way i'm still going to do what i got to do right but when you're at when you know when you're somebody that's as active as I am, it, it kind of comes with the territory, if that makes sense. So. Oh, and as you're, I mean, 
to the listeners who don't know, Pedro's somewhere near 70,000 subscribers, which on YouTube is ridiculously huge. And with that comes tons of trolling. Um, yeah. Now, I am going to use this, and then we'll get past this into the last point of the podcast. But I do need to hit on this because about eight weeks ago, I had a guest on who had gone on Show Me the Money Club. I won't use his name because I'm better than that. Um, he went on Show Me the Money Club. He came on Para Presents. And then when I, he was booked on Para Presents, he was booked the following Monday on my po podcast, this one. So he had gone from Show Me the Money Club to Para to booked with me. And at this time, I feel like at, at the after the Para one, I felt like I got everything out of him. He used this platform to attack you. And you mentioned it, but I got to say, I have really, I even told you after I interviewed him mm -hmm. that, you know, I wasn't happy with the behavior, but after the para one, none of that happened at the para one and it didn't happen at show me the money club. However, everybody kind of used that situation as, as a big problem now. And mm -hmm. like, show me the money club para me we all do and um he came on and used i feel like he used the platform a bit for that and i had gone to you in between the two that weekend and said listen that this guy has some valid points mm -hmm. which he does but at the same time all his valid points just went down the toilet because of the yep. way he acts yep and i can't it's sad because he actually had something to say I'd even told you that. And I, for whatever it's worth, you know, the, the audio podcast listeners who listen weekly, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, to those who don't, we're just going to move on past it. Because I just wanted to say, I think I just put a perspective out there that if anybody wants to challenge that para, not para, proves every point that we say. Yeah. No, I think it does. And I think, you know, I think it's one thing to have a good idea or be passionate about something, whether it be a person or a company or a stance, that's good. We need that. Right. Yeah. And what we have to realize though, people have different paths that they've taken and a different, a different experience with the app or a company or whatever. Right. And you start to lose credibility with me when you make things personal. Yeah. And you look at some, you know, so there's fact and there's opinion, which is whatever. But when you start making things about the person and not the company, and when you align Pedro DoorDash Santiago with DoorDash, like I have a partnership with them and I never have. I've never had any communication with DoorDash, no email correspondence, no text messaging, no phone call. They've never reached out to me to be part of the partnership program. Nothing. So, but when you when you think or feel like I am, and then you present things as fact when it's an opinion, and your passion becomes personal, you start to lose credibility. And I think that that's what's happened with that gentleman. So. Yeah, and I and I got to say too, like Megan Risman, you know. Yeah. Um, I've chatted with Megan a few times. Megan was approached by that program. Megan mm -hmm. left this whole scene because of it. Yeah, she made videos about it. I mean, there's a Nazi story there. Stuff. Yeah. But yeah. now she's a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. good kudos to her. But I'm going to just move past that because I, I would challenge anybody to take that para example. And and with that, tell me how any of this makes sense, because here's all yeah. I'll say about people. People gravitate to the type of people they want to watch. We know this or listen to with podcasts or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what I'll challenge you with is please question these people. 
like really think about what they're saying hard because even though you might like them at first or their personality, most people, if they're not, if they don't have positive things where that they're doing too, I would be very wary of following these people. Yeah. And I think we have to, I th- and I think we have, you know, a lot of people are frustrated now with the apps. They're not making money or, you know what I mean? So then you start to point the finger and it's easy to point the finger at somebody like me because I'm doing okay with the apps. You know what I'm saying? So it's easy mm-hmm. to say, well, he's, it's his fault. and He's, yeah. he's not lying or he's lying about his earnings. And, you know, it's easy to do that because it makes right. you feel he's better. He's glorifying about something that doesn't really Ex- exist. Exactly. Do all I'm doing. St. Louis, do you live next door to Pedro? Right. Are you working <laughs> right. the exact? And all I'm doing is showing you my day. And I have thought, I got like 1200 videos and mm-hmm. probably out of those 1200, cause that includes shorts and lives. I don't know, 700 videos of ride-alongs or, and I've had good days and bad days. And I just show you exactly what happens. So I've got more videos bashing DoorDash than I do talking <laughs> about how it's a good thing, but they forget about that, right? So it's just, it's easy to point the finger at somebody else because it makes you feel better. And I think a lot of people that are struggling are going to huddle together and there's a community there. And that's, that's cool. I mean, I get it. It's relatable. You have empathy for somebody else that also has had a shitty time with the gig economy, but that yep. doesn't mean that that's everybody. And the, the, those of us that are doing okay, and Steve's been in the gig economy for a long time. So his, his, his opinion is wrong because he's doing okay. And he's found out ways to adapt and he wakes up at 5am and he has curry and he's got these partnerships. So that should be looked upon as a positive, not a negative. Yep. So anybody looking at those things as negative and blaming us for figuring it out, that says more about you than it does about us. I I agree. And so that's why I just put closure to it. And audio podcast listeners, I hope that that rolled quick enough because I am even sorry to bother you with. That's probably why you don't go to YouTube. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I will say this, if you, you know, the audio podcast. If you do go to YouTube, I I am now saying, and I will give my stamp on it. You're safe to go to Pedro's channel. He's not an evil channel. He's not going to hurt you. He's (laughs) not going to bite. Well, you might, if anything, but, you know. I just give you, I'll give you what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I try to be entertaining and maybe I'll make you laugh for a second and just take you away. You can listen to it while you're doing your, your, your work on yourself, uh, you know, you, your gig economy work or whatever. And it's just, it's supposed to be enjoyable and it's more like a life vlog. Um, I don't claim to be, and I don't ever want to be the best DoorDash driver. That, that's not my aim. There are other people that are going to give you much more valid information because they're either doing it more or they've done it longer or they really think about every single order in a very calculated way. That's not what you're going to get with me. Um, but I always keep it real. Like that's the one thing that I'm always yeah. just going to be myself. I would recommend to anybody who hasn't seen it, check out his Sunday show if you don't believe it. Because yeah, we have fun in over the there. chat, yeah. in the yeah. live on the screen, you're not hearing just positive. You're hearing a lot of negative yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's out, it's yeah. just real. It's just out there. It is yeah. what it is. Well, and that's the gig economy, right? This yeah. what, what's great about this kind of work is you're going to have good days and bad days, but we can still manage through that and see that overall the value is still there. And I think while a lot of us might complain or have frustrations and say, we need this, or we need that. Those are all true, but what keeps us going back? Right. And that's going to be the only the personal individual can answer that. It could be the money, the freedom, the flexibility, the the value, the whatever it is. Right. And, and that's that's a positive. So overall, I think the gig economy, while there's a lot of issues um, and there always will be, I think there's still a tremendous amount of value as long as you can make it work for you. I do, too. So moving into the last topic here, um, I want to talk about GigCon a little bit. And 
before I do that, I've, I've saved this till the end because I also wanted to explain Pedro and my relationship a little bit. Because <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Pedro and I have done a lot of work on these gig cons and the other events surrounding it and whatnot and putting mm -hmm. people together. And believe it or not, and we've even joked about this on many occasions, we've hated each other. Not hated, but we've... <laughs> We've had, we know, we've had, you know, Steve and I are like, uh, uh, before he gets into it, because I, I want hated. But... It's like, it's like that brother that you have, right? Yes. You know, and sometimes you look at your brother, you're like, I want to smack him in the face. And then there are other times, you know, I want to give him a big hug. That's kind of our relationship, right? So that's what I had here was that Pedro and I, you got friendship, you got working relationship, you got yeah. our brotherhood. It can be tough. It's hard. And I had brotherhood as argues like brothers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that just means that we're close. These events are stressful. Yeah. They, I mean, believe it or not, guys, like even if, even if we announce it a year ahead of time, three months or what, they're stressful. That's a lot to bear, especially as they approach. I know that a lot of times like this last one, they all go great. But this last one, when it was approaching, Pedro was like, oh, I can't wait for it. But really, they're tiring, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a lot like, of They're movies. tiring leading up yeah. to them, but then they're tiring at the event too. And I'm yeah. not saying... It's it's not a boredom thing or anything. It's that it, you you finally at the event and you just almost collapse. Yeah, like dude, my oh my god, it's you a know, lot like... though. It's a lot though, and and I think I think what's awesome about it is I kind of like when because we've done three events now, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The virtual and then two in person, right? And this last one in person, I think we were more collaborative than the first one in person, right? Because, you know, now we know each other more, so we're going to be helping each other more. And the have first more one The stuff. first one was different than the second one, too. Yeah, very, 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 very different, right? It was more of a meeting. Yeah, yeah. And it was a picnic, you know, it's a family reunion meeting. Well, I just picnic. mean, like, none yeah, of us you know. knew each other. Right. At this right. one, a lot didn't either, but a lot of us now had, and that's going to happen yeah. every year. Now it's yeah, building. Absolutely. More of us know each other. Absolutely. You know, but I think with putting together things for a community, right? Uh, whether it's a conference, a virtual con, uh, in person, uh, an audio podcast, a video, a live, all these things we're putting together for an audience, a community of people that are going to want knowledge, information or entertainment. Right. 100. And, you know, there comes responsibility with that. So while Steve and I are mentioning, yeah, it's kind of hard. It can be stressful. It's, you know, you have disagreements about things and, you know. And that's that's part of it. But it's kind of like, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up. Right. And I know Steve is an active guy himself. Right. So it's kind of like you have a basketball team. You're going to have maybe a captain or you have a football team. You have a captain or a leader or a quarterback. Right. And Steve and I are a, a part of a few people in this community that are leaders in the community because we do things others might want to do but aren't willing to do. And we put ourselves out there. And we, we risk things. We, we, we risk what kind of events it's going to be. Is it going to be good? Is it going to perceive bad? Are people going to show up? Are they not? But we're leaders and we're willing to do that because we see that the community deserves that. Right. And we enjoy doing it. Right. So, you know, while it can be stressful and it's a lot to do, um, that's what leaders do. You do things others aren't willing to do. You step up when you see that there's might be a need or there needs to be a connection that's never been established before in a, in a live person like events. So, and other people are going to, you're going to see other events. I found out some things today. Other people are going to be putting together, but we started that. And I think that that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and that goes to some of that responsibility we spoke of making daily videos or you doing an audio podcast now for, you know, 200 and something episodes. Right. So I think we have to realize that, you know, leaders are going to do stuff like that. And I, you know, I'm proud for us to be 
part of a group of leaders in this community that's going to continue to try to push the needle and try different things and not be afraid to uh, fail and learn. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, at the end of GitCon, I, I challenged any other content creator or non-content creator, put something together in your market, do something. Right. It's one thing to have an opinion about how we did it. Um, and, and that's great. But like, do something. Why don't, you know, I want other people. I really challenge other people to do something locally, put together a town hall summit like Steve did that Saturday. Like what is stopping you guys from doing that? Right. I think we can start it, but it will, it will, it can go a lot further if other people are willing to try to do something similar. You know what I mean? And also on that note, while, while, while we can plug this forum, Louis B delivery TV is doing a gig I don't know if it's a conference or what he's calling it. I was That's what I was there. actually just referencing because he, uh, so he's calling it a gig, hold on, festival? Festival, gig, there you gig go. Fest, gig Fest, Gig Fest. And it's in October, yes. right? Uh, in November. Houston? Oh, November. November, November mm-hmm. in Houston, but it's for the Spanish-speaking community. Now, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're not welcome, clearly, but it probably wouldn't be a lot of fun if you're, <laughs> if you're not Spanish-speaking because most of the conversation there could be a lot of people who only speak yeah. Spanish. Yes. I don't know. Um but, but there's the going to be a lot time, of bilingual. Here's another, but here's another thing too. of a big channel, a guy that gets a lot of views, putting something together like Pedro just yep. said. Yep, absolutely. And you know, I mean, again, when I was referring to our brotherhood, it's like at the end, whenever we're done, at the end of a week, at the end of a, at, at the end of a day, we all that goes behind us. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, those headbutting moments only are brief, and they're just to they're usually just to get through something that yeah. we need to figure out. Well, listen, I think, I think, I think. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think you have to have those kind of moments, right? In order, if you're going to make something great, if you're going to really try to, you're going to have that. And if you don't, something ain't right. You're going to have, you know, we cannot always agree on everything and we're always going to get along and hold hands and every Pedro idea is great and every Steve idea is great. No, that's not it. I'm wrong mm-hmm. plenty of times. Steve's wrong too sometimes, right? So it just, you Often. know, you're going to have those, <laughs> you're going to have those moments. And if anything, it, it, if you handle it correctly and you and you figure out how to mend things and have a discussion, and Steve and I have done that a few times, it, you wind up looking back like, okay, that was actually a good thing that that happened because now I, you know, you get to learn more intimately about somebody and what's important to them and what they're passionate about and why. And I've never, I've always thought it was really good to have, you know, it's, 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 you need to have those tough conversations, right? Not everybody's willing to, but when you have them, you know, it, it's a benefit. It's a benefit, right? We can't steer away from that kind of confrontation as long as it's adult confrontation. It's not yelling. No, it's and it's helped us solve things too. If it, I have right, something exactly. wrong and you've exactly. got a better idea, it helps us balance it and then vice right. versa. Right. Um, 100%. But I mean, like first gig con, no video really. This gig con tried video, but we didn't use lapel mics. Yeah. Like, was, was, I wish you had done it. I oh, wish I had done yeah. it at the town hall. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like all I needed to do was have a lapel mic on and have a have another one for other people mm-hmm. to hand it to them. Mm-hmm. And then it could have had the camera going and it would have sounded. But, you know, those are this. the things those are the things we learn. Right. And yeah. you can only learn if you're willing to do it and say, OK, let me take stock on what was good and what was bad so that next year things can be a little bit better. And then next year, those, there'll be things that we learn. Right. That's just how it is. So. So before I walk us out of here, you just hit on it. Can we talk? Where is next year? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. So <laughs> I know there's some rumors. Yeah. I know so what it's the main definitely, rumor is. It's definitely more east. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely east of St. Louis. I can say that 100%. Okay. 
whether that be there's been basically three or four cities that have been thrown around with the people I've talked to mm -hmm. that are going to be a part of it. So, you know, uh, some people might hear, oh, it's going to be in Jersey. Some people might hear Nashville, mm -hmm. Atlanta. Some people might hear uh, um, Virginia. Like those are some of the areas that we've been kind of talking about. But I can't say definitively right now at all with, you know, yeah. with any confidence, but definitely more east for the East coast viewers and listeners out there. So do you think by new year's it will be announced? I think by new year's, a, a, a city will be picked. Yes. I can say that with confidence. Yeah. Maybe dates. Yes. Yes. I can yeah. say that with confidence. Yes. I, I just think, I mean, I'm just curious because I think that'd be a good thing. No, I, by before 2024, uh, a date dates, dates or dates will be picked. A city will be picked. Um, that way people can at least start thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but it won't be the de the exact details more than that. The de yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, but I mean, the, like at least it'll be locked in. You guys could start planning because if yes. you can find fifty dollar round trip airfare, which there is on right. Google Flights, people. I right. don't work for Google, but Google Flights beats every other way of flying. I've never used Google Flights. Um, oh my god, it's usually half the price of everything. Really? Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. no, I've never used them. Uh, I'll be in New York to see Hannibal. I know we mentioned him earlier. We're going to a concert uh, end of September, which is just a couple of weeks away. Um, but I, I have to, I already booked it, so I can't go to Google Flights now. But um, yeah, well, no, I mean, they're, it's, they're the, I, I just learned, I learned about them about eight months ago, too. I, I should have known it existed, but David yeah. was using them all the time because I'd look for a price for him. I'd be like, the best I found was 300. He'd be like, hold on. He'd be like, I'm on Google Flights. I got it for 170. That's crazy. So I started yeah. using it. I was like, dude, what the yeah. heck is this Google Flights thing? Interesting. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really, that's about all I had today. That's a wrap for it. And uh, I really want to, Pedro, thank you, my friend, for joining me. Um, Long time thank you, coming, audience. Man. Yeah. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, thank you for watching, if you're watching. Um, and remember, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always email me at steve at rideshareradio.com. Um, and until next time, uh, stay safe, earn smart, and uh, please, people, be good to each other. <laughs>